This is the Rich Eisen Show. The second pick, the New York Jets select. It'll be Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson, then all of a sudden Mac Jones, and then all of a sudden Justin Fields, and it'll be, no, no, it's Zach Wilson. And everybody's going to be like, what the hell are they waiting for? The Rich Eisen Show with guest host Ryan Leaf. Earlier on the show, NFL Network reporter Tom Pelissero. Coming up, host of the Ross Tucker podcast, Ross Tucker. Co-host of Pro Football Talk, Chris Sims. Plus, from Pac-12 Network, Guy Haberman. And now, sitting in for Rich, it's Ryan Leaf. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rich Eisen Show. I am Ryan Leaf, filling in for the big fella who's in Cleveland. Uh, you know, doing all things NFL draft. He's going to uh, reach out to us in about 20 minutes uh, to let us know about everything that's going on. But who I want to bring on next to talk about this draft and uh, the importance uh, is uh, is Ross Tucker. Ross Tucker from the Ross Tucker Football Podcast is going to join us here now to talk NFL. Sorry. Uh <laughs> He's going to join us here momentarily to talk about the NFL draft. We're here with TJ Jefferson, Jason Feller, and, and Chris Brockman. What's up, buddy? Uh, here yeah. on the Rich Eisen Show. Uh, let's go to Ross now. Ross Tucker from the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Welcome to the show, Ross. How you doing, buddy? Ryan, I'm doing great, man. Thank you so much for having me. Happy draft day. Yeah, happy draft day. Uh, it's uh, it's always fun to reminisce. Uh, I, I just talked to the guys here and, and all our viewers and listeners about my theory or my philosophy when it comes to drafting players and what the NFL has become. And to me, it's all about the passer, the guy that protects the passer and the guy that rushes the passer. And there are a bunch of offensive linemen this year that fit that role. And I don't want to see teams reach for flashy Ferraris and wide receivers and, you know, no need running backs when you got offensive linemen that need to protect your passer what are your thoughts about that, and where do you think tonight goes in terms of what happens after all the quarterbacks go? Well, listen, I mean, we all know quarterback's the most important position. Uh, I think there's some debate as to what the second most important position is. I've often said I think it's D-line because I think uh, an individual D-line or a group of defensive linemen can have a bigger impact than the O-line, but I think O-line's third. I, I, I agree with you, I guess, Ryan, because I think it's quarterback one, D-line two, O-line three. The thing that's interesting about O-line versus D-line, though, is if you have one outstanding D-lineman, like an Aaron Donald or whoever, right, they can really make a huge impact. But if you have one outstanding offensive lineman, that's nice. I mean, it's really nice to have that, but the reality is what really matters is how that unit does as a group. You're, in other words, you're almost only as good as your worst O-lineman up front. I'd rather have five average offensive linemen than have two studs and two duds, if that makes sense, right? So whereas drafting a D-lineman high that one guy can make a huge impact. On the O-line, you really just can't have anybody that stinks. Like You, you can't have anybody out there that can't play. As long as you, all five guys are average or better, you'll actually be in pretty good shape. Well, I, I think that's exactly right, and that's why when teams are clam- or fans are clamoring 
about, no, no, don't draft another offensive lineman. We got one a year ago. No, you, you build the best offensive line you can in whatever that takes. So when I hear um, people coming out of Cincinnati saying that uh, they're going to draft Jamar Chase at number five rather than Panay Sewell to bolster that offensive line, which was the liability a year ago that got their franchise quarterback on the gurney headed out of the stadium, it, it shocks me. What do you think the Bengals will do, but what should they do at number five when they have their name called? Well, so that's interesting, right, for a couple different reasons. Because, number one, it's a pretty deep O-line group, but it's also a pretty deep wide receiver group. So if you think, I mean, I know people out there, Ryan, that will say Jamar Chase is the best wide receiver prospect since at least 2015. I had a guy on the Fantasy Feast podcast who, you know, tracks all the numbers. What Jamar Chase did at age 19 in the SEC is just insane. So if you're the Bengals, you could look at it like, man, Jamar Chase is so much better than any of the other receivers. And at the top of round two, we could still get a really good starting offensive lineman, whether that's Landon Dickerson inside or Liam Eikenberg from Notre Dame at tackle, Sam Cosme from Texas. So I think, you know, if you're only looking at the first-round pick, I think you lean towards the offensive line. But if you're looking at those as a combo over the first couple rounds, you know, you have to decide, would you rather have Chase and Eichenberg or Sewell and, like, Rondale Moore or one of these slot receivers? Right. I really do think that's how a lot of these teams look at it. And that's how I would look at it, too. I'd look at an opportunity just like it is with a running back in that second or third round. You can get those guys. Justin Jefferson a year ago was as good as anybody, but that didn't change the wins and losses, right? He wasn't, he wasn't the deciding factor that puts the – because they still need somebody to get him the football, and the quarterback play had to have been better there. So that's, that's what we're looking at. Tonight, uh, the San Francisco 49ers have what people consider the – the hinge vote or the hinge choice in, in determining where this first round goes and, and how the dominoes will fall. I think it really comes down to the third and fourth picks in, in San Francisco and Atlanta. But all the speculation around who goes third uh, and the move that the 49ers made, we're, we're about time, Ross. Where, where does the 49ers go tonight uh, with that third overall pick? I'm still saying Mac Jones. And it sounds like there's a little bit more buzz today about Trey Lance potentially there at number three. But I'm still saying Mac Jones for a couple reasons. Number one, Chris Sims, who maybe you already had or you're going to have on the show today, you know, he and Kyle Shanahan have like matching ankle tattoos or something. <laughs> and he, right when it happened, he said Mac Jones. I don't, I don't picture, you know, Kyle Shanahan doesn't have to be quiet about it. You know, they knew that it's going to be Lawrence at one and Wilson at two. I don't think he would, you know, put Chris Sims on the wrong track if he didn't have to. But I'll I'll go even a step further, right? I remember, I think it was like 2010. It was the first year for the Shanahans in Washington. I went to Washington training camp, and I was talking with Kyle. It was first year that I was telling him, I was just talking about how he had absolutely tore up the league with the Houston Texans. I mean, the Texans put up crazy numbers 
when Kyle was their OC. And, you know, Andre Johnson, the whole deal. And he looked at me and he said, quarterback is really good. I said, yeah, Matt Schaub's pretty good. He said, no, 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 quarterback's really good. So what I know from talking with him and from what other people have said, he really loves guys like Schaub and Cousins. He really, I think, and you know how coaches are, Ryan, I think he really just wants the guy to execute what he tells him to do. He doesn't want the variance. Like, you know, Lance or maybe Fields or whoever are more talented and can do some things that a guy like Mac Jones couldn't. But he doesn't care about the upside. He just doesn't want the downside variance. He just wants his quarterback to do what he tells him to do. Throw it to that to the right guy and throw it accurately like Schaub and Cousins do. And is that isn't that why Ross he's he's loved Jimmy Garoppolo so much and why he's stuck with them, I think, through through the thick and thin? It's because he does that. It's just it's it's so limiting in in the eyes of other people uh, that he's kinda had to make a concession here. I don't I don't know that he has loved Jimmy G that much. I mean it feels like you know, last year they tried to get Brady. It feels like every year they've tried to upgrade that <laughs> spot. I mean, I, I think he really wanted to get cousins back in the day, but they realized that that might not be able to happen. And Jimmy G was available. The Patriots called him. I mean, it was one of the weirdest trades ever that doesn't get talked about enough. The Patriots literally just called the Niners and offered him Jimmy G. You know, there were other teams out there that would have given up more for Jimmy G, but Belichick wanted to trade him to Kyle Shanahan and the Niners specifically for whatever reason. I mean, I remember some reports out there where teams said, yeah, we were a little surprised that we didn't get a chance. So I don't know that Kyle has ever really loved Jimmy G as much as that was the best quarterback option that was available when Belichick called them. If that's the case, we're talking to Ross Tucker uh, from the Ross Tucker Football Podcast at Russ Tucker NFL on Twitter. Um, if that's the case, um, is Jimmy Garoppolo long for that locker room after tonight's pick is announced? No. I, I already tweeted this. He'll be a Patriot by the end of the weekend. <laughs> I mean, I would be stunned. I don't want to say stunned. I think there's a better than 50% chance that the Patriots trade a low-round pick. Because I don't think there's going to be that many other. Like, who else would be interested in Jimmy G? Maybe the Bears, but I tend to doubt it. I think you could make the argument the Texans with Nick Casario would be interested if they anticipate getting rid of Deshaun Watson uh, for whatever reason, or that maybe Deshaun won't be able to play this year. But I really think it's New England. I, I don't think the Patriots are going to trade up. I'm not buying that. I don't think they're going to get a quarterback in the first round. I think they trade a late-round pick for Jimmy G. They know him. They like him. He's still young. He knows their offense. I think that just like they thought four years ago, whatever it was, I think that McDaniels and Belichick think Jimmy G's really good and they can win a bunch of games with him and they can get him for a late-round pick and they'll probably even make the Niners take on some of Jimmy G's salary for this year. So, I really, I, I'd almost be surprised, Ryan, if that doesn't happen. All right, running backs. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers fans out there clamoring for the possibility of Travis Etienne or Najee Harris in that spot. 
Uh, is there a running back you think that goes in the first round, and 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 should there be one? Because I, to your point earlier, you can find these guys later down in the draft process. Um, but giving up or, or or wasting a first round draft pick on a player that maybe isn't necessarily the only hole you have, um, which one is the right fit for for a team in the first round? Well, it's interesting because you know talking with different folks on the Ross Tucker podcast, you know. There's actually three really good running backs. Etienne, Najee Harris, and Javante Williams at UNC, who I absolutely love. Like, that guy is a monster. I love Javante Williams. I wouldn't be surprised if he went in the first round. But there's actually a a pretty decent drop-off after that. You know, most of the other guys, people say, are more like fourth, fifth, sixth rounders. So that's another one of those where you could say, if you're the Steelers, or whoever, you could say, okay, we take who we think is the best running back at 24 and then get a starting caliber offensive lineman in round two because there's just more of them. So I think that element's interesting because usually there's a lot of depth at running back, and it feels like this year, for whatever reason, there's really not. Um, I like Javante Williams, and and there's positives of ETN, there's positives of Najee Harris, but... Wow. I think a lot of people, North Carolina doesn't play as many nationally televised games as Clemson, Alabama, but that dude is awesome. Like, making guys miss, breaking tackles, I think he's a monster. Ross Tucker we're talking to here from the Ross Tucker podcast, former NFL offensive lineman. Talk to us about your draft, uh, what it, what that was like, what uh, leading up to it and everything like that. We We discussed a little bit about what it was like 23 years ago for me and how much it's changed in the hoopla and the extravaganza that we're going to see play out in real time tonight. So what's funny about that, Ryan, is mine was 2001, uh, so 20 years ago, and I was such a bottom-of-the-barrel prospect that I knew I wasn't getting drafted. My agent, (laughs) actually, Joe Linta, he's got like, you know, Joe Flacco and Juszczyk and Cam Brayton, a bunch of guys. He gets a lot of Ivy League guys. He said to me, 50-50 whether or not I would even get signed, Ryan. Even get signed. So I sat there and watched every second of the draft. I only got two phone calls, one in the first round and one in, like, the fifth round each day. And both calls were from the Cincinnati Bengals. So you have to remember, like, you know this, Ryan, because you were 98, but In 2001, the Bengals were the worst of the worst. They hadn't had a winning season in 10 years. But when my phone rang in the first round, I I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready to be a Bengal. Let's do this. Um, uh, Meanwhile, they were just saying, uh, hey, Ross, if you don't get drafted, we might be interested in you. I was like, oh, okay. But I'm ready now. Like, if you want me now, I'm ready. So the funny thing about it is my agent, Ryan, Joe Linta, said, the longer it waits for me to call you after the draft, the worse the sign is. It, it, the worse of it. So I, I, I was sitting there, dude, all my college roommates and teammates had gone out every night, second semester of senior year. I got up at 5 a.m. like to train. I sat there for an hour after the draft. Nothing. Nothing. So finally, I'm starving. I go out to the eating club. Yes, it sounds fancy. It probably is. So I go out to the eating club. They're all outside grilling, having beers. And I'm like, you know, I'm starving. I couldn't eat. Like, I got out there. Nobody would even look at me. 
nobody would talk to me because they, they could just tell on my face how upset I was. I walked back to my dorm room. As I'm walking up the steps, I hear my phone ring. I'm like on the third floor. So as I'm sprinting up the steps, I grab my phone, and it's Joe Linton. He says, Ross. I said, what? He's like, where have you been? And I said, I, you told me it would take a while. If it took a long time to call me, that I wasn't going to get signed. I was hungry. He's like, well, you're the newest member of the Washington Redskins at the time, right? Uh, Washington football team now. That was, I mean, I went from as low as I've ever been in my life, thinking I just gave up my whole second semester senior year of partying for nothing <laughs> to getting signed. I ran back out to the eating club. I walk out into the courtyard where everybody is, and I just say to my buddies, Redskins. And they all went crazy. We started jumping up and down. Everybody was excited. All the girls were looking over at me. I was like, yeah, see? See, you should have hung out with me. Too bad now. It was awesome. <laughs> oh, God. Draft day stories, man. That's that's a good one. That is a good one for sure. Yeah, you are you – are, listless and then overjoyed in a, in a matter of moments. Uh, thank you, Ross Tucker, Ross Tucker football podcast for joining us to have a great rest of the draft day. And we're so excited to see how it all plays out. Thanks again, bud. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm listening on uh Sirius XM two eleven. Very curious to hear how Brockman feels about Jimmy G coming back to New England. No, I'll be listening to you No, guys. Ross, let's just talk about it right now. Okay. I, I have zero interest in Jimmy Garoppolo. Zero. What's, what is the point no, every, of... Every, every, every Patriot fan is saying that, Chris. Why do you say that? What, okay, then why are you bringing him in? Is he going to back up Cam Newton, or is he going to be the starting quarterback? He's going to be the starting quarterback because they believe... He's better than Cam Newton. Then why did they sign Cam and give him a raise if they were just going to trade for Jimmy this whole time? Because they didn't know they were just going to trade for Jimmy this whole time because they didn't know the Niners were going to trade up to three to get Mac Jones. Who's the third quarterback on the roster then? Because these guys' shelf life isn't, isn't much longer. Cam's on a one-year, and Jimmy's been uh, hurt they'll, most they'll of the last three seasons. Like, uh, yeah, they'll draft like a... Uh, Jimmy G, Ryan Mallett, you know, second, third, fourth round dude. I just don't understand so the like, – I just don't get the upside of this move. So the upside is – well, I mean, Chris, he's still pretty young, and they think he's pretty good. I mean, I think they think in, in their offense, you know, they could be a perennial playoff team. I mean, he just took a team two years ago to the Super Bowl and was one pass away from winning it. And I think that they think that they're as good as the Niners are. So I think that and, – and, and I think the other part about it is I just think that they want to have a winning record and get to the playoffs. I just think Belichick knows that everybody is paying attention to what he's doing. They all know what Brady did last year. They all know what he did last year. And I think if nothing else, he believes he can win more games with Garoppolo this year and figure out the future. Uh, later, depending on how Jimmy does, it's fair, and I, and I totally get that. But then you got to take the Cam Newton part into it. Cam has dedicated himself to this team. Uh, he's been there, voluntary workouts. We've all seen the work he's putting in. He got a raise in his one-year deal this year, and you're just going to tell him, "Thanks, no thanks." You're the backup now. I, I just don't see that sitting well. Well, I think that they'll. Uh, I think they'll let them compete. I think they'll let them compete and ultimately play whoever is 
they think is best for the job. Plus, both those guys get injured a lot. You know, they've got a lot of injury issues. That's the one thing I think is interesting, Chris. Like, I don't know if you know this, but in the Patriots training room, there's a huge sign that says the most important ability is availability. Right. So that's the one thing I don't know about Belichick and Jimmy G is I guess I wonder how much the injuries in San Francisco have turned him off. Now, maybe it has. I don't know, right? But that's very, very important in New England. Very important. So I wonder if, if the only thing that would prevent them, in my mind, from going for Jimmy G is if they're just concerned about how, how often he gets hurt. Yeah, and I know we got to go, Ross, and, and thanks for joining us. But even the one year he got a chance to play when Tom was suspended, he, <laughs> he got, got hurt. hurt. He got hurt. Yeah, Jacoby Brissett had to come exactly. out. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. You know what? Um, God doesn't make many people that good-looking and durable. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> clearly, clearly with your picture you and your beard, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Ross Tucker, everybody, uh, <laughs> from the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Um, See you guys. We're going to go to a quick break here, but when we come back, we are going to talk to our man, the big fella, Rich Eisen, live from Cleveland, and he's going to pitch what's going to happen today. This is the Rich Eisen Show. I'm Ryan Leaf. We'll be right back. Hey, folks, it's time for the NFL draft, which means for me, I need a good night's sleep because if I don't have one, I'm just not myself. You know the deal. You know exactly how important it is to have quality sleep. It's a game changer for all of us. So Sleep Number helps me. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's setting is 70. We both get a great night's sleep because we could adjust the firmness of our mattress on each side. Improve your quality sleep because Sleep Number learns how you sleep thanks to their smart beds and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices make sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs costs all in before you purchase so all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed I always like to think that I'm his most favorite person in the room. <laughs> but when the Vince Lombardi trophy is sitting between the two of us, I yeah, think I lose. Low. I think I lose out. <laughs> hey. Michael Irvin, right? I think I lose out to this hey. baby, right? It's so funny you start with this because I'm going to tell you something, man. 
Yes. I, I when I was playing, I made a pact that I would never go to a Super Bowl until I play in the Super Bowl. Okay. Every guest that comes <laughs> here, they're going to get Super Bowl questions. That's why I always say I would never go to a Super Bowl until after I play in a Super Bowl. So I would not have people like Rich Eisen asking me questions that I cannot answer. Now, what do you want to ask, Rich? Because I'm prepared to answer since I won three of these things. So what was it like picking this trophy up for the first time? It was the greatest thing. And it really was, Rich. It really was the greatest thing. Do you remember the circumstances? Oh, my God, man. First of all, you got to go back and think about like we were one and fifteen. We were three and thirteen, one and fifteen. When you're three and thirteen and one and fifteen, Cleveland Browns, I know you don't think there's any chance that you will ever lay a hold of something like this. So to go from those days to coming in '92 and winning that Super Bowl, and actually somebody handing you that trophy. The most incredible thing, most incredible feeling in the world. Did you ever step in when you heard that Jimmy and Jerry were not doing well, or you just you, your station wasn't that I, life I just, at that I just point didn't in time? Think anything would happen, Rich. I really didn't. I was like, well, you, 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 are you joking? You know how hard it is to win Super Bowls, and, and you have a formula that's working, and and then when it happens, like, oh my god, like you know, I, I should have done this. Maybe I should have talked to him. I should have tried this. I should have tried that. Jerry Jones, I'm telling you, that's, that's the one thing. I'll never forget Jerry Jones telling me that when I was negotiating with him. And I was saying, you know, I'll, I'll go to Cincinnati. And it was just, I'm just talking, trying to get my monies up. I said, I'll go to Cincinnati. You can get Carl Pickens over here and let's see what happens. And Jerry said to me, the Jerry said, Michael, you know, when I see you, I see Michael Irvin and the Dallas Cowboys. He said, I kind of see it like Magic Johnson in the Lakers. He said, what is magic without the Lakers? And what are the Lakers without the magic? He said, you guys, they belong together, just like you and the Cowboys. He said, Michael, the best way I can tell you, if a bomb hit Valley Ranch today, that's where we practice, and blew everything up, everybody, everything. When the smoke clears, baby, me and you, we gonna still be here. So we might as well work this deal out right now. So, that's what he said to you? I promise you. I said, this dude is a fool. This dude is a fool. He had me laughing as he was telling me no about my money. <laughs> 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 That's why you're in the Hall of Fame together. Welcome back, everybody, to the Rich Eisen Show. I'm Ryan Leaf, filling in for Rich Eisen. Great show so far. Ton of content uh, because of the, the big night. Uh, night one, round one of the NFL draft tonight, live from Cleveland. And we have our namesake here at the Rich Eisen. So Mr. Rich Eisen joining us live from Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, mio, oh, mio, Cleveland, Ohio. Mr. Eisen, are you there? I am, sir. How are you, Ryan? <laughs> Gents, everybody. I'm doing so, well. Rich, I'm doing up, well. So, you know, we're hearing all the rumors kind of one off here and social media and everything. But, hey, they're on, on, on site. What, what are you hearing uh, is going to take place tonight here in those first 10 picks apparently the only thing that is 100 percent sure is trevor lawrence's first overall and it's <laughs> going to rain those are the two things that are one it's one of those it's not even it's one of those midwestern slate gray days where I, I don't see i don't you know you can't see very far in front of the window in front of you um but fans are still pouring in and we're still going to put the jaguars on the clock and they built this huge draft hall right up against Lake Erie, uh, 
so I'm already trying to figure out, um, you know, what what sort of line I could use that the picks that uh, don't work out are their mistake by the lake, Uh-oh. you know, right here in Ohio. Um, and we're, we're going to go in that draft hall and all the, the draft tables are set up and the commission is going to put the Jaguars on the clock at eight o'clock. And I guess now we need to look out for somebody who wants to hop into the top 10 because they think that Trey Lance or Justin Fields is going to fall. And um, the question is, is how far do you go to guarantee you get one of them? I guess Atlanta would be the furthest you can go to guarantee you get one of them. And um, and then maybe Miami at six, you know, would the Bengals at five be willing to trade out and go so far down as to maybe where the Saints go? How expensive would that really be? I mean, we're talking top five. Um, Miami, I think, is interested in trading out. You know, I, I think Miami is interested in trading out if, uh, if Chase and Pitts are not there at six, which could happen if the Falcons go ahead and take uh, Pitts and the Bengals decide to give the weapon to Burrow that he had in college as opposed to protecting him with Panay Sewell. Um, and if, if that's their choice at six, I think that, I think the Dolphins trade out, and that's where somebody could trade in and potentially have a choice between Lance and Fields um, at six. So if you're the Saints, you want to move into the top ten, how far do you have to go to make sure you don't move in for, you know, <laughs> wind up with a receiver? You know what I'm saying? Or 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 how far do you go? And, 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 and we're all assuming that they're coming for, for, for a quarterback. I wouldn't be surprised if they're coming for Pitts. You know, like that, that wouldn't surprise me either. Cause if you remember the Saints traded up into the first round of the draft in Philly and we all thought it was for, um, a quarterback. We thought it was for Deshaun Watson. We thought that's who they're coming to take. And, and, and instead they, they went and they took, I, I think that kid Marcus Davenport, their defensive lineman. So we're all thinking, well, they're not happy with Jameis and they're not happy with Taysom Hill. So they're trying to get one of these quarterbacks. What if it's for Pitts? What if they fall in love with him just like everybody else and a weapon like Pitts is put in the hands of Sean Payton with can't guard Mike and Alvin Kamara and Jameis Winston? I mean, you can kind of go to work that way. So um, it's a lot of intrigue and a lot of fun going on right here right now. Yeah, Diana Rossini uh, just uh, sent out a message about how they have, they have heard from everybody uh, the Atlanta Falcons have. And as of now, they have not heard anything that they want to move off that spot, and Kyle Pitts is their guy at four. I think the whole first round really hinges on what they do in terms of how far both Fields and Trey Lance, if those are the two left, fall the rest of the way. Well, I think, you know, our fearless leader who is in your ear and in my ear every day, Don Bowie, of our show as a diehard Saints fan, would be the first to attest that very warm place would have to freeze over for the Falcons to trade with the Saints. Right. <laughs> and, it would, and, and, and it would also have to be like, you know, an entire Ditka-like draft, I think. Um, but you never know. There are strange bedfellows, as we know. Um, when we spoke to John Harbaugh on Tuesday, we asked him, hey, you know, any thoughts about, you know, not taking the best offer available for Orlando Brown because it came from the Chiefs, a team that you will have to go through, presumably? to win the conference and get to the Super Bowl? And they said, no, they're just taking the best offer available. So that could be possible. I don't know. You know, the Falcons, 
if you're Atlanta and you have so many so many holes to fill, why would you trade out of the top ten? You know, you'd have to, re- you know, for, I guess for a ton of picks in the future, maybe. But trading out not and, and not getting the quarterback to start the clock on on um, on Matt Ryan and or not getting him the weapon that can make him a Super Bowl champion in the time he has remaining, just to put more picks in the bank in 2022 and 2023. Just to, I don't know how that makes a lot, a lot of sense. So, I, you know what I've said on the show, the guys around you know what you said on the show. You know, it's been for sure pits in my mind for Atlanta and just rip the knob off and just take them and not think about it anymore. But, um, again, tonight's just going to be dynamite. And the first domino is San Francisco, obviously. They made the big move. We're talking to Rich Eisen, uh, who is in Cleveland as we speak live, getting ready to broadcast their NFL Network show tonight for the NFL Draft. The 49ers at three made the move a month ago. Uh, huge splash. Really the only team in the top 10 that, you know, has a Super Bowl pedigree because they were there just a year ago, uh, just over a year ago. Where do they go? Ultimately, they've had to know who they fell in love with. Mac Jones's name was thrown in the mix. It's gently kind of been moved to the side a little bit. And Trey Lance's name. Where do they go tonight at number three? Yeah, I like how you use the word gently there. Um, you know, I, I, I've I've gotten the sense for the last week, two weeks, and again, I don't talk to anybody in that building um, other than, you know, to invite them on the show, and they have gently um, said no because there's a lot of sensitivities going on right now. Um, and um, we'll get them on after the draft and try and pry out as much information as possible about this process. But, you know, we had Trey Lance on the show the other day, and you could just you could just ask the guys that are in the room there with you how impressed all of us were with him and by him. And from just his insatiable desire to learn and get better, to uh, reach out to Daniel Jeremiah to pick his brain. He said he's picked the brains of dozens of people. I've, I've, I've heard since getting here that he's, he's called, like, offensive line coaches in the league to say, you know, just to talk concepts. Like, he's just burning up the phone lines himself. And how can you not be impressed by that? And I understand there's tape, and I understand that he's only had 17 career starts, and I understand he didn't play last year, and I understand he's raw, and I understand all of that. But just when you look at the future and you'd have to actually, you know, be a prospect and, 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 and take a look at this prospect and what he can blossom into if he's in your care, um. I, I just can't believe that the Niners and the offense that they have and the ability to make you play 11-on-11 with a quarterback who can run, why they would just not take him or Justin Fields for that matter. But everybody still seems to think the signs point to Mac Jones. I guess uh, our buddy Florio, uh, who kicks off our lineup on NBC Sports on Peacock every day, is tweeting out that the league has asked the Niners to keep their plans to themselves, don't leak it. To somebody, and I'm 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 kind of holding my breath for that report that you know from Ian or Schefter or somebody that the Niners have chosen this person, and that's who it's going to be. I, I I really would love for the commissioner to take that card to the podium tonight, and the whole country is just you know holding their breath, and we'll find out who that is, and that does truly inform the rest of the draft, and who will go to Atlanta 
who will go to Cincinnati potentially may not be affected by it. But after that, you know, it's on. And who's trading in? Who's trading up? Who's falling out? Who does that push down to the top of the tens and mid-teens maybe for, for somebody to just sit and take or, 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 or trade out? Uh, I'm, this is great. I mean, to have as many quarterbacks at the top and so much intrigue about it, you know, uh, it, it's exactly what you want an NFL draft to be, Ryan. It, it, it really it, it almost reminds me of the possibility of what they kind of pulled a few years ago with the Chicago Bears, how John Lynch was able to move out of the second spot and the Bears step in and take a guy named Mitchell Trubisky. And it almost feels like there's a karmic shift here that what if San Francisco does this huge move and they've looked like they've done so well in drafting players and moving around to only go to three and draft Mac Jones, a guy that everybody's like uh, really underwhelmed with. Similarly to what the Bears fans felt when Mitchell Trubisky was drafted second overall. I don't know if it's a karmic you know, resurgence here on, in terms of that, but yeah, I'm with you on this. I, I want to not know what's going to happen until the commissioner stands up at pick number three and reads off uh, who it's going to be. I think it, it, it the drama after last year uh, actually being live, you back on the, the scene and watching it all play out in real time, I think would be unbelievable for drama tonight in the NFL draft. Well, I'll tell you what, Ryan. I mean, you kind of just hit on something right there about, you know, Mac Jones and if he's selected and the Niner fans kind of scratching their heads. And the reason why they'll be left scratching their heads is because nobody in the NFL talent evaluation community Nobody in the news and information, women and men community in the NFL, nobody in the, you know, SEC media was talking about Mac Jones being a top five prospect in the NFL draft, let alone the best player on his team in Alabama. And then all of a sudden, Kyle Shanahan moves up to three. And if he does take them, he has now basically kinged him on the back row of the NFL checkerboard to say, I thought he was a top five prospect in the NFL and he is, and he's coming here. And thus Niner fans have got to trust in Kyle Shanahan. But if you also remove all of that from the equation, he is a self-made kid. He doesn't have great athletic ability or a big, huge arm. I'll just say this, screw it. I'm not saying he's a comp, but was Joe Montana that touted either? You know, I mean, and, and Joe, they trust. I mean, Joe can walk on water up there. If Kyle Shanahan thinks this is the guy and he's traded up for him, and also he's an Alabama national champion. If you say we're taking Alabama's quarterback, Tua went so damn high last year, why can't Matt Jones go ahead and be that? And then if you just strip away what's going to happen for my beloved Jets tonight, Ryan. Well, I, just I think about it. I, 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 I want you it. to, I want you just to. I love your I love your the the way you the loyalty you stay with the New York Jets. I just well, I, I have no choice, Ryan. It's in <laughs> me. It's in my blood. My brother put it there years ago. At least I was smart enough to realize my championships had to come from somewhere. So I told my brother he could keep the Mets, and I took the Yankees when Chris there you was go against the Royals in 1976. So at least I made that smart decision as a child. But with the Jets, just look at this. We're all in on Zach Wilson. Yes, you are. We've been told to be all in on. Well, because we've been told this. This is what we've been told. I said it many, many times on the show. I'll say it one last time before he's an actual New York Jet. We didn't watch, and the New York fans and Jet fans didn't watch a single second of BYU football. 
They didn't tell, and, and, if, and, and we are all in on him. We are all excited. We are told he's an electric personality, even though he hasn't done any interviews before the draft. We are told that he has got incredible ability to throw on the run, to throw and anticipate, to, to actually run himself. But he's got all of this ability, and he's got, he's got a, a game like Aaron Rodgers, a game like Patrick Mahomes. We're hearing all this, and we are all the way in. But if you had told us this point last year, that we would be number two overall, just missing out on Trevor Lawrence, and we are going to put our hopes in the kid who was broken and battered. Broken and battered, wasn't even named a team captain for BYU football. And we were going to take the kid who went on a magical run for BYU football and ditch Sam Darnold for him. We would be freaking out over it. Freaking out. And I can already see Brockman across the way from you smiling because he knows it. He knows it. He gets it. He's in the AFC East water skiing behind all those yachts behind 19 rings or whatever the hell Belichick calls his boat. As he, as he, as he pulls the water skiing Patriots fans and through that wake with Brady for 20 years, we're hoping that that kid tonight is our Brady, our Mahomes, our Rodgers, our Russell Wilson. I could keep going on and on. But last year, if you had told us, this is the kid you're going to put your hopes and wishes in, second overall in the 2021 draft, we would be going nuts. It's just what we all believe as a fan base. We have no control over it. We just have to trust the brass. Niners fans are going to go maybe a little wobbly if it's Mac Jones tonight. And Jets fans, we are all the way in. Well, and, you know, that's, that's, the way it's, that's the way it works for all of us crazy-ass fans. Well, I, I didn't mean to kind of dampen the mood uh, uh, talking you know, about the Jets dampening. a little bit. This is the way I talk, Ryan. And I'll tell you this. You want to talk about dampening the mood? <laughs> hey, hey, Brockman, did you see who um, DJ uh, had the Patriots taking in the mock draft last night? Did you see that? It's Trey Lance, right? Yeah, yeah. Trading up yeah, to man. 11 to take Trey Lance. Oh, yeah. And I pointed out on the air, oh, Jets mama. fans will have nine picks to celebrate the Zach Wilson choice. <laughs> nine picks. Because the minute Belichick trades up to take Trey Lance, if that happens, oh, baby. then you've got two rookie quarterbacks attached at the hip. The Patriots starting the one the Jets didn't choose. Yep. Could you imagine what that rivalry would be like? Twice a year, if that happens, oh, just buckle up. It would up. be insane. Yeah, it would be insane for about five minutes because systemically, and you've been a part of this tonight. Maybe the last time we've will actually have ever heard of Zach Wilson. I'm just saying. <laughs> this ends tonight, Ryan. Tonight, he is the savior. It happens tonight. Yes, I am not thinking anything else. Good for tonight, you. That's what a true fan should be like. Have the football gods finally smile upon them tonight in the Cleveland Rain. I think it's about Period. time something goes your way, Rich. I really do. So hopefully that is the case tonight. Uh, well, and with that, yes. we're going to send you on your way to do your job. Thank you, Thanks, my friend, for always supporting me and giving me an opportunity to be a part of this. This is so always much fun now. when I well, get to do it. See you tomorrow. We'll talk, yep. we'll talk tomorrow after we do Have a great first. time tonight, buddy. Have a great time, okay, buddy. Yeah. Have a great okay. show. All right. Thanks, bud. Bye. That's our fearless leader, Rich Eisen, uh, talking to us all things draft in his fandom for the New York Jets. We'll recap what he had to say about tonight when we come back. You're listening to The Rich Eisen Show. I'm Ryan Leaf, and we'll be right back. 
Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. When you showed up in Steelers training camp, who, who was was Mean Joe there? Was all those guys there? Yeah, Blunt. But I never, you know, he was defense. I was defense. It's like it was like the Hall of Fame coming to life. In that uh, spot. Well, no, okay. it was next year really that they really got the recruiting going. Okay. You know, that was all the all the guys that made it to those Super Bowl teams. Are you saying you were the dead weight? Is I think I might have been dead weight. <laughs> yeah. And how did uh, Chuck Knoll cut you? What did he say? To you? He called me in. You know, okay. I went to the office mm-hmm. and uh, brought my playbook. So I knew, you know, I was going. And uh, he couldn't have been nicer, by the way. And, and, you know, he was complimentary. You know, he said, you know, look, you're a tough kid, but, you know, you're trying to learn the position. I had never played. We didn't have outside linebacker mm-hmm. in the college I played for. So it was the only position I, re- you know, reasonably could have played. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't have, he didn't have time. He said, look, it's my first year, too. So he said, I can get you down with the Eagles. The Eagles are desperate. And that would have gone, you know, rental car straight down 80, you know, to the... Yeah. And, I, and he said, but it's got to be, you got to tell me right now. And I said, I'm done. You knew it that you didn't want to go play no. for the Eagles? No. Why? I don't know. It was a, it was a spur of the moment. This, I had knee problems. I was, and I was, I, to be honest, I was sick of football. Who was the best football player that you ever lined up with or against? Roger Stavo. When did you play against him? I played against Roger Staubach when I was at Youngstown State University, and he was at Pensacola Naval Station doing his six-year bit. Wait a minute. This is a great story, right? Uh, yeah. You know, he, you know, they do that. He graduated from Annapolis, won the Heisman, mm-hmm. went down there, and played football for six years. You're playing against the Pensacola... What Naval was Station. Naval Station. Yeah. And then out trots Roger Staubach? Yeah. That's not fair. He was a quarterback. That's not and these fair. were high-scoring, close games. Did you rush him? Did you get him? I, Did you I, take I, him down? i tell you the truth. I I rushed him. Mm-hmm. I got a hold of him. I spun around one time on his leg, and, he, and he, he just kept wiggling his leg free, and then he threw a touchdown pass. I hit him illegally out of bounds once <laughs> and got, got a 15-yard penalty. And they had a guy... They're, <laughs> Their middle linebacker was a guy named Lynch, who was a, was a naval boxing champion. Yeah. Who I think his brothers played, one of his bro- brothers played for Kansas City. Okay. The Lynch brothers. Sure. And he wanted to kill me, you know, because they loved Roger. Of course. Know. So you almost started a brawl by hitting Roger Staubach out of bounds? Yeah, I was just so tired of chasing him. And, he, you know, he just stepped out of bounds, and I thought, no, I'm... I've been running 25 yards now, you know. Yeah. I just kept... Going. 15 yards on Ed O'Neill. Oh, yeah.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Rich Eisen Show. I am Ryan Leaf, uh, gratefully filling in for Rich as he's in Cleveland. We just talked to him a little bit. I'm here with uh, his cohorts, TJ Jefferson to my right, Uh Jason Feller filling in for Michael Del Tufo on the ones and twos, and Chris Brockman. Uh, What it do, baby? Poll question. A couple of them were kind of out there. You put out one of them, you know, where does the 49ers go? Yeah, I threw a couple out at Rich Eisen Show. Uh, what do the Niners do tonight? Who do they ultimately take? Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, or maybe shock everybody and take Kyle Pitts, which would force Rich to eat that dude's sweatshirt, which is what I'm rooting for. <laughs> and uh, what do the Falcons do? Fourth overall, Kyle Pitts, Fields, Lance, or trade down? I think that there isn't I, – I, I, I just – I don't see the aggressive nature in moving up in that spot and everything that goes with it to draft Mac Jones. I, and it's not a it's not a negative against Mac Jones at all. I just to Rich's point, there was nobody, not a one, out there that saw Mac Jones as a top five pick when this all started. Now, don't forget, Baker Mayfield was not considered the first overall pick a few years ago. In fact, the scouts I talked to and the front offices I talked to that year there were only a couple teams that even had a first-round grade on Baker Mayfield. But John Dorsey absolutely fell in love with him. And guess what? Maybe Kyle Shanahan absolutely fell in love with this guy. Now, do you have to go all the way up to three to get it done, though? Weren't they at 12? Yeah, I think uh, they could have stayed put and got Mac Jones. I think they could have stayed put. So that, for me, makes me believe that it's not going to be Mac Jones. That, for me, makes me believe that they either fell uh, head over heels for Trey Lance, John Beck, a real close uh, confidant of Kyle Shanahan, took on the coaching endeavor of Trey Lance uh, after that trade was made. Uh, I know he was on the show yesterday kind of talking about his time with, with working with him, but I just can't get past the fact that Justin Fields, in my eyes, is the second best quarterback in this draft. He already isn't going second overall because of the infatuation that Rich just talked to us about with with Zach Wilson at number two. And I think Justin Fields is going to be the guy when the commissioner gets up and reads that name tonight. And if you are a San Francisco 49er fan, and if you are anybody in the Justin Fields camp, the fact that you get passed over by the Jets and go to an actual contender in the San Francisco 49ers is music to your ears. Ross Tucker was on a little earlier today talking about whether or not Jimmy Garoppolo was long for the 49ers locker room? I think he is. I don't think he goes anywhere. I think he uh, is a guy that, if he is healthy, is capable of taking the San Francisco 49ers team to a Super Bowl, just like he did a year, two years ago. The only year he's played 16 games, that's where they went. Now, he's been incredibly injury-prone. Brockman, you talked about when he did get the chance, when the suspension existed for Tom Brady, he got hurt. Jacoby Brissett had to come in and play. Yep. There's been an injury bug that has plagued him his entire career. The one year he was healthy, they went to a Super Bowl. If he gets knocked around, if he gets beat up, step in Justin Fields as your new quarterback for the 49ers. If not, Justin can learn and sit back a la Carson Palmer with John Kitna in Cincinnati. It's not a bad thing. Aaron Rodgers sat for three years, okay? It's not a terrible thing to happen if that's the case. But I do think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to stay put no matter what you may think. Going to three, though, is a huge move. You cannot be satisfied with the guy 
who isn't the third overall pick starting anytime soon. So all of these things are factors that play into it. Three quarterbacks are certainly going to go in the first top three picks. Only the third time that will happen. I believe Archie Manning's, Jim Plunkett's uh, year, and then the year after mine in 99 when Tim Couch, Dalvin McNabb, and Akili Smith went one, two, three. The Falcons hinge on whether Ford will go with what they do if they decide to take Kyle Pitts, which is, I, I think, what they should do, probably the best possible player at that point to establish that offense in an even more historic fashion and just hope you outscore everybody as you build defensively through the draft the rest of the way through. Unfortunately for the Falcons, their, their, their cap number, their, their cap situation is in dire, dire straits. Um, they're fielding questions uh, and uh, an interest in, in Julio Jones, their best wide receiver, who still has plenty of time left in his career, I think, but the amount of money that he's owed. That's what happens when a general manager and an owner you know, say that, you know, you're going to have three players be Falcons for life. Yeah. That just that, <laughs> right. that that can't happen in this day and age, especially when there's a reduction in the cap number this year. We'll see how it plays out. So, the intrigue in picks three and four for me is the highest I think I've ever had going into a draft. And I don't know if I've ever been. I was locked in last year because I was working around it a lot more. Yeah. But, but I'm just this year. I'm just so fascinated because of the things we talked about how somebody jumps up that far to possibly take a guy that no one was talking about in those five picks. That means you know something that we don't. Well, you are the head coach of a Super Bowl contending football team, right? Right. Maybe you do. Maybe you do. And Kyle Shanahan's the the guy that says, also, hey. it seems like we've just been talking about these guys for so long, and we had two big moves. Miami made a couple of moves. And then, of course, the 49ers going up big. And anytime you have that happen, I think – you just kind of sit up a little bit higher, like, oh, okay, what what's going what's going on here? This really gets going now at number three. Speaking of what's going on, Chris Sims put out a mock draft the other day. I this is the disparity of disparities. I have Justin Fields going third overall. He has Justin Fields going thirty second overall. I can't wait to talk to him next when he joins the Rich Eisen show. I'm Ryan Leaf. We'll be right back with Chris Sims. All right, so he's going to talk to us about why this is. Now, he's been he's been pretty darn good around the quarterbacks the last few years and what he's done, right? He has, he has. Uh, he was really high on Lamar Jackson. Yep. If you recall him going on the Dan Patrick Show talking about it. it was What I love about Chris Sims, too, though, is uh, there's no hee-hawing or wavering. No, you're not going to move him off his spot. No. He has a belief in what he sees, and this is and that's what I love about him. Yeah, I'm the same way. Like, you're not going to move me off my spot. Right. If this is what I see and this is what I believe, I'm going to say it. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I, I mean, this is not, you know, I'm not, you know. Yeah, there's no scoreboard. I'm not a you biochemist, know. you know, putting together chemical and, and <laughs> nuclear codes or something like that. You know, I, if I'm I wrong, know. I'm wrong that would here. Be cool if you are. Now, people, I think, feel like that. Like, I feel like if we make a wrong draft choice, you know, um, who's going to be the bust? By the way, people who continue to or who want to like call me a bust or the lists that come out, CBS, Sportsline, or whoever the hell you are. Uh, the Athletic did one this week, right? The Athletic, Sorry, of don't course. Look, don't look at it. Don't look at it. Well, I know what, what it says. <laughs> um, no one cares about that at all. Not anybody. I, I guess 
you continue to do it because um, I don't know why you would continue to do it. Click, click, just click, clicks, click, clicks. People click, like to click, click on that, yeah. Click, yeah. but it doesn't change. So why would people continue to click on I it? Don't like, know. I don't know. Hey, I bet your Leafs not on it this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Of course, Leafs on it this year. He's gonna be at the damn top. You know? I think it was almost you and uh, the Athletic did one where they did every pick. Right. So it was the first pick, second, and so it was between you and Charles Rogers. Um, well, I mean, in terms of ex- expectations, me, um, you know, Charles Rogers was a pretty, you know, pretty, right, pretty, pretty big. But there's just theater. a horrific story to Charles Rogers too. He's no longer with us either, you know. Right. And uh, yeah, I, I, if I, if I'm those publications, and if I'm those new, I mean, you guys are. That's not newsworthy. You're not doing a good job. And guess what? We don't care. We were the second overall pick in the NFL draft. Boom. Boom. Where were you at, Athletic? You weren't <laughs> even around in 98, boy. <laughs> we'll talk way. to Chris Sims all about it uh, when, he jo- when he joins us next. <laughs> PFT Live co-host. Um, you're, you're listening to the Rich Eisen Show. <laughs> I'm Ryan Lee filling in for Rich. We'll be right back.